I'm going to go now to um, uh, shift shift tax a little bit. And we're now going to the, the power of music. And I'm going to be speaking now to Galina Juritz. And I I see on my screen, it says you're in... No, okay. You're, you're in South I'm Africa? Here. You're here. <laughs> <laughs> you're waiting to see if the line is going to fail again. No, I'm here. Ah, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, let's, let's hope it's going to, uh, let's, let's hope it's going to say strong. So yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, you can never predict what technology is going to do. I know you have to think on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about that. So now you, you have been involved with composing this work and it's called Madness Songs of Hope and Despair. It yes. doesn't surprise me that somebody has had a vision of using music and imagery to try mm-hmm. and get a sense of some of the complexity of the mind. Absolutely. Well, um, Sean Bowman is a clinical psychiatrist and has been for 30 years at Falkenberg, head of Falkenberg. And I think over all these years, um, he was hearing so many stories and he obviously had the medical terminology, you know, quetiapine and clozapine and aripiprazole and how do you solve this? But he's also simultaneously picking up this incredibly emotional narrative of how do you how do you actually express the, the undercurrent of what's going on with this? And he felt that music, he wanted to turn to music uh, because of its immediacy in communicating things that sometimes world words fail you. Mm. And, and so he wrote this libretto yes. and, um, and it was based on his experiences with patients as a clinical uh, psychiatrist for 30 years and the things that they would tell him and he wanted that to come across the patients kind of in their in their own words from a more authentic and in his words respectful place he, he felt that uh, depictions of of madness as you could say that he'd uh, come across over the years had been highly sensationalized and cliched and kind of filled with tropes and gimmicks but they didn't actually convey that real authentic thing that he mm. experienced when he was in sessions with patients so yeah well, now, this cantata was, was performed at a World Psychiatry Congress as well yes. as the Baxter. How were they received if you compare the two performances? You did a once-off performance. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure the psychiatrists didn't know what hit them, really. Cause they'd, been, <laughs> they'd been in a conference and, you know, discussing the, the side effects of medication X and Y. And then suddenly, you know, we had nine singers belting out and, and these crazy images on the screen. And it's, they, they, I think they found it very moving. Or that was a lot of the feedback I had. But the performance, you know, each audience is different. Yes. Each performance is different. Yes. You can never predict how it's going to go. And that's the, those are the kind of nerves you carry with you every time you get on stage. You have no idea how it will be received. And the performance of the Baxter, I was quite overwhelmed by the response. Um, and the thing that really touched me a lot, I think, was the quite emotional response from some people. So we had quite a few people in tears one one person actually got up and left she, she was just crying she just wow. Uh, wow. that i think for some people it really especially people who might have either had a kind of brush with a psychiatric uh, psych, psychotic episode themselves or someone who might have mm. a relative mm. who's been struggling with this that it some part of it um resonated with with something and it really moved them maybe even disturbed them on on a level so how how did you uh, you know take this? I mean, you're the composer of this. Um, how did you mix things up? The live, the recording. Um, you know, you obviously are bringing your creativity 
into this mix? Yeah, I'm bringing my creativity, but also my my ma- own madness. <laughs> which which um, I think it's a great way of putting it because we're all, you know, a little bit malichy sometimes. Yeah, and and uh, I've learned to think of, of mental illness more as part of a spectrum of experiences where we all might remember a time in our life, some more than others. I think I maybe more than others musicians are often on that spectrum quite a lot. But um, we've experienced high high extents of anxiety, of dread, of paranoia, of feelings of worthlessness and feelings of elation. And these are all things which, you know, it can creep up on someone and, and suddenly something that might seem like a normal experience is just getting out of control and they might realize that they've veered into that territory. But it's not like, I think, as far from, from experiences that we could imagine. It, it, yeah. You have to be able to find your own inner way of relating to what that could be to be able to express it with some kind of authenticity. Would you approximate that at least? And you've, you did a once-off. Now, now you're going back to the back. So tell us about what, what kind of um, uh, run you're going to be doing at the Baxter. So we'll be in the Baxter from the 9th to the 19th of February. And we've even got two performances on Sundays at 6 p.m. So we're doing a full-on intensive run there. And that will be pretty much every night. And all the information, you can book through CompuTicket. And, yeah. And what what happens when you've got a longer run? Does that change the the way it is? I mean, you spoke also that every audience, every, every audience is different, every performance is different. Yeah, we've yet to see. I, it will evolve as it i mean we now are more comfortable with the work so we have this crazy experience of getting it all together and all the adrenaline that comes with that and now i think it's about settling into it and finding the subtleties in it and seeing also how it grows the work always grows and changes over time in ways that you can't predict so a lot of that i will see as as much as you will (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now you you also collaborated and you used some music uh, by Dizu Plaichis. I'm not aware yes. of that music. Tell us about that mix. Well, he, um, as you may know, is an incredible performer and composer um, in the one could say South African folk idiom, but he's a composer of incredibly inventive musical mind. And they had initially approached him to work on this project as well. So I was given these audio audio recordings of some of his music. It was a matter of weaving in between genres. And of course, uh, the subject matter um, veers between Western medicine and the role of nurses, the feelings of family members, and also the role of traditional healing and sangomas in this. So I think it was very important to cover this broad spectrum of musical textures to try and evoke these feelings that come with those different things. Uh, and it was a great privilege to be able to work with that sonic world because it, it was very inspire- inspiring to me at times when I might have had writer's block. I could always turn to this other music and say, oh, wow, there's so much in here that I can uh, work with and be inspired by. So, yeah. Tell us about your musical history. <laughs> well, it's a meandering path. I studied classical violin. Wonderful. Um, so I was freed at, at, at UCT. And then I probably spent the first chunk of my life engaged very much with classical music. And then the second part of my life listening to everything but that. So I have, I have a very um, wide range of 
quite schizophrenic taste myself. <laughs> I love um, jazz and soul and uh, folk music. So can you still hear me? And? Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, classical music, jazz, soul, electronic music, folk music. And I think it all comes out in, in, little, in little ways. Uh, in the music I write, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure how that's for the audience to tell me. I guess. <laughs> now you mentioned that you you were clearly rooted in in the classical music, and then you mm -hmm. listened to everything. But did you kind of fall out with the music, or did you want in, did you want to spread your wings and and get more corners to your musical uh, uh, pattern or experience? I I think like many other classical music, not not to kind of. Uh, berate it because it, I got so much from that world and the complexity and the discipline uh, and the emotional reaches of that world but I found it at times equally oppressive and, and the, the, the culture of classical music being very much embedded with this you know western um, obsessed with perfection um, sometimes quite dated sometimes the, the sounds I realized didn't always reflect the world that I saw around me. So it felt like I was in, in a kind of 1700 bubble and it wasn't really reflecting things that I was feeling and thinking and experiencing and the kind of political struggles that I saw around me. And I think it was just natural to expand, not to reject that, but to kind of expand to listen to mm, mm. so many different ways that you can make sound tell a story. And mm. uh, I think the music has to, in a way, reflect the time, the country, the context, the, the politics. I think that is an important part of how one should write music for it to be relevant. Mm, mm. And, and you, you know, you, you, you're reminding me when, when you look at people who are rooted in a certain discipline, and I'm thinking of dance because we're talking about the arts at the moment. Yes. And often when I see ballet dancers, it's very structured. They're, they're, very, uh, they're very set lines. But people are now taking that and mixing it up with contemporary dance. And it's almost as if when they're doing ballet, it's just making it modern, relevant and edgy. Um, absolutely. I find that the beauty about these things is that you never have to throw out old traditions. It's, it's about infusing them with a new energy and looking at them through a new lens. And I think those, those traditions give us so much more breadth to express complex ideas and, and thoughts and uh, they give a richness to that but you can really lend anything with anything and, and that for me is part of the most exciting the, the, the artists that I'm most drawn to are people who do kind of straddle these two sonic worlds or five sonic worlds or ten different genres where you can hear a tiny little bit of so many different things 